Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you are joining the conversation. Welcome back to Becoming Church. I am here with a friend today, Marcus Lloyd. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Good to be here, Mock Mama. Glad to be in the space (laughs) with you, as always. Listen, we just brought everybody into the family now with the Yeah, yeah. They're like, what is this? What are you talking about? (laughs) I am a Nick. Are you always a nickname person? Yes. Yeah. You can ask anybody on my staff. They all have nicknames. Yeah. Um, if they've earned them, it takes me, it sometimes takes me a minute. Cause some people are just not good nickname, you know, receivers. Yeah. Like there's just not enough of their stuff going on. That's that requires a nickname yet, but man, there's, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly like when I, when I go to the gym, everybody in the gym has a nickname, right? Because it's okay. crazy anyway. So I give literally yes. they walking in, I'm like, what's up G mama. What's up bouge. What's up? The, you know, just like. <laughs> I got nicknames for everybody. And part of it is because there's just a lot of people that I don't always remember their names. So I just yes, nicknames can be easier. <laughs> well, I always try to tell people, especially when it when every now and then I'll bring one on real fast to yeah. a new person and I have yeah. to stop myself and explain. I'm like, hey, that's it's a love language, actually. Like Absolute, if I've given you a absolutely. nickname, this absolutely. is really a good thing. And then my kids, <laughs> I've given my kids nicknames on their nicknames on their nicknames. On their nicknames like, yeah. <laughs> it's a rotating thing. You know, you nicknames they can change because they're not real, right? So you yeah. can keep you earn nicknames sometimes. Sometimes you get one and then sometimes you earn one. So maybe you yes. have one that I gave you, but then you do something like, oh, you just earned a completely different nickname. Right? The actual <laughs> yeah. nickname is what you earned. So I mean, I love that when I give somebody one and the look on their face, I'm like, oh, that, that was a miss. Like that's, that every yeah. now and then they don't stick. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. They're like, nah, that's not going to hold. Sorry. That's I'm not answering to that is the, is the look they gave you for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I need to come up with a nickname for you still, but also Listen, I'm in a state of shock right now. I was all, all right. set to like introduce you as my friend, which you are, but I was going to introduce you as this like important voice that's, you know, bringing the gospel to racial division at what things you're doing. But I Googled you, Marcus, oh, oh Lord. and according to Google, uh-huh. that's not what your voice is known for. Actually, according <laughs> to your own personal IMDB page, what? Oh, you are Lord. an actor known for Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I, yeah, done of that a little and bit. And then I see you in a photo with Barney the Dinosaur yeah. from Big World Adventure. What oh is going on? Yes, yes. It's always that weird, it's that weird place because of the industry, right? Uh, you know, I have all these different worlds where people know me from, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And uh, and when they collide, it's always really fascinating, you know what I mean? And it's, I, I don't, yeah. I'm not out there, you know, talking about it, but when, when things like that, when people are just, I don't know why people Google people, you know what I mean? Maybe they're just like, I just want to see what's out there. Just some, yeah. some dirt. And yeah. And they Google me and then they find these things. They're like, Oh my gosh. Right. Like again, I had a neighbor uh, when I first moved into the neighborhood I was in, I don't, again, I don't know why he Googled me, but he did. And literally like ran to my house and it's like, Oh my gosh, you're in borderlands. I love that game. <laughs> You're my favorite voice in that game. I was like, all right, calm down, bro. Like, do I need a new lock on my door for you? And yeah. I need to watch you here, right? And uh, and stupid stuff. And my kids are the worst, right? Because 
Right now they think it's, oh, it's I'm cool. sure. you know what I mean? Because I'm doing anime and I'm doing yeah. video games and they're playing the video games that I'm in or they're oh, watching. So cool. and, and what's funny is I don't even play the games. I don't watch the, I hadn't, I, I finished a series a couple of years ago for Dragon Ball called Dragon Ball Super. And, uh, and I hadn't, I, I, I had never watched it and my kids fell upon it and they were like, oh my gosh, they're loving it. And they're like, is this your series? I was like, I think so. <laughs> I don't. No, and then my like, character showed up. Let me showed listen. Up. Yep, let me yep. Listen, let's look up on IMDb. Whoever put that information out there, and let me see like what's going on. Uh, and so they love it. And so the problem is, is like they tell their friends, mm. and so then it becomes like this barrage. So we were on a cruise like two years ago, and they're hanging out in the youth area. And at some point, my son decided to tell everybody there that I was the, the voices, right? And for the rest of the trip, I was accosted by teenagers wanting oh, autographs and wanting like to record my voice and get pictures. And I was like, <laughs> I said, my son, don't do that. Like daddy's, trying, daddy's on vacation. Like right. the great thing about a voiceover actor is nobody knows what you look like. They don't recognize you. They don't recognize <laughs> you. I mean, I went to a Borderlands opening party and walked around the entire party. Nobody knew who I was. I had to introduce myself to the president of like Gearbox. And he was like, oh who are you? Gosh. I was like, Marcus Lloyd. He's like, oh my gosh, Marcus. And I was like, all right, calm down. <laughs> like, it's okay. So it's like the best the best of both worlds. You know what I mean? I love doing it. Uh, I love it. Um, but love having the anonymity as well. So yeah, yeah, it's a strange deal. And particularly in, re in, in sort of the ministry space I'm in, most people have no... No well, idea. that's how I met you. I met you right. in a ministry space. We hosted a conference together. And so I'm like, oh, Marcus, and I knew you had, we'll get to your podcast in a little bit. Then I go to your Instagram and you're hanging with, you know, Flo Rida and Flava Flav. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Who is oh, this like, now you really are getting into my business. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. My world is, it's a strange deal. And it's so funny. I don't, I don't think too much about it. I think when, you know, when it's just your life, it's just kind of like, it's not that strange, but people though, again, I'll be at the gym or, you know, uh, talking to folks and they'll be like, I saw you. And I was like, oh yeah, well that's, I kind of do that, mm -hmm. you know, all the time. So it's not that big a deal, but not, not hang out with Flavor Flav and Flowrider. I mean, sure, I run sure. into those guys. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not balling like that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. there's just places I find myself where I'll run into, you know, stars and have to introduce them for stuff and hang out with them and that kind of stuff. And it's just a weird, it's a weird space, honestly. It's cool. <laughs> well, you're good at it. You're good at it. From what I've seen while you're hosting, I mean, hosting with you at the Mosaics Conference last year was super fun. That was a blast. So, that was fun. You were great. You were oh, great. Thank like you. just the perfect addition to our team. And I think we all just gelled so quickly. I was like, yep, this is a little family. I got to get all these cats back together at some point, right? Oh, just let's do it. Good stuff. Good stuff. It was super fun. So, uh, in all of the different things that you do in the day to day, what would you say? What are you about? What's your, what's your passion? Man, um, you know, I look at passion a lot of times as the things that you do when nobody's asking you to do it, mm. you know? Um, and I, I got a vision. I, I got a vision from God. <laughs> uh, but I, I felt like I got just a call from God probably 15, 16 years ago into the work of church unity. Like it was just... It was a sense of working out in the entertainment business, hearing what people say about the church and all those different things. You know, so many times I'd run into folks and I'd, you know, do the sort of Christian thing like, hey, you go to church. They're like, man, I got enough problems of my own. I don't need to get into the church. I don't need problem. to add that. I don't need to add to it by jumping in the midst of y'all's problems. Y'all can't even like, <laughs> y'all can't talk to one another. You got denominations, you got cultural stuff, you got racial stuff. Like, I don't need that. And I was like, ooh. Mm -hmm. 
so it really put me on a on a journey to be you know kind of live into i think the hope and the the promise of uh a john 17 20 jesus's you know prayer there of unity that we would be one so that the world yeah. will know who jesus is and that and that god loves them and so i, I really saw it as like Man, we keep talking about evangelism and all these things. And like the greatest evangelistic tool we have is a unity of the body of Christ yeah. across all kinds of different, uh, you know, lines that have been, that have been drawn, the human lines that have been constructed in walls. So that's where, I, for me, I, I think I've been about unity, uh, feeling a call from God. And that's just become, I've honed that um, and, and, and nurtured that, I think, for the past 15, 16 years. So when you say church unity, are you talking like interdenominationally? Are you talking within one church community? Like, how did that start? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, even the story, I was working at a, a fairly large church in the Dallas area and we, and I was working for their children's ministry. I was the creative director for the children's ministry. And we were putting on this huge fall festival, like 20,000 people show up at this wow. fall festival. And I didn't live close to the church. I had to drive by multiple churches to get to my house. And I kept noticing these signs that people had, that churches had outside their buildings. Like it, they were doing fall festivals, but they were all on like the same days. I mean, literally across the street, it was like two churches doing a fall festival the same day. And I just thought, this is crazy. Like people on the outside have to think so, I mean, it, it, we look like Burger King and McDonald's, right? It's just a hamburger. Right. You just have a different special sauce. Right. Right. And so for me, it, it started in this very general, like the people of God, um, I just envision when God looks at a community, he doesn't, he doesn't like color code it based on what church you go to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he just looks down and he sees light, right? He, yeah. It's just, it's just all the same. It's just all light uh, from the people who have chosen to follow him into the light, if you will. Uh, and we just confuse it. So for me, like I, this, mo this, this model of the body of Christ that, that, the, that Jesus, that it's given to us, if you will, in, in, uh, in the scriptures, I, I just see us all trying to be some different appendage, not yeah. working with others. And I know from my own body, as I continue to get older, my birthday is actually tomorrow. And so I'm, I'm learning that if one appendage does not, does, is not working correctly, it slows down the entire work that I'm trying to do with my body. And I think all of us are like trying to, every appendage right now is trying to do their own work. And, and if you can picture like all the appendages heading in opposite directions, what happens to the body? It just sits there. In pieces. Well, it just sits. The body doesn't move. So for me, it's like God was telling us we were part of the body and we had these unique places and unique things that we did that would help move the body forward with Christ as the head uh, toward what the mission that God was on and allowing us to participate in. So for me, it's definitely a larger general piece. But as I've, again, as I've, as I've gotten older and, and deeper into the work and started connecting, I think my own past uh, in my own context into the space, uh, I have narrowed the 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 full work of unity to focus in on racial and ethnic unity uh, of the okay. church. Right now, when you get that, you're going to find other kinds of unity that you got to deal with. Right, like you got to deal with sure. the political uh, division yeah. that's there, uh, denominational division. All that plays into it. Uh, but I try to co concentrate in on going, man. Let's let's get this culture and racial piece together. And I think there's others who are concentrating on niches as well, but, but that's, that's where I live my space. And I think, again, it's just, it's associated to just my, my whole life existence. It just seems to work. Yeah. It's, I love that you talked about how, you know, the churches across the street, all the churches are light, right? Like I got this picture of God looking down almost like a, on a neighborhood map Yeah. and how 
we would have these little pockets of light, but then the streets are all dark because if yes. everybody is just like, oh, my light is contained in this building Correct. and then my light is contained. No, he should look down and just see like light everywhere. Right. right. Like we should all be coming together, going outside of these spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And together. E- even if they're, if they're gathered, right. They're not just like these monster gatherings that leaves all that darkness. Right. Like I think about it when, when I was working, we talk about small groups in churches, right? I was yeah. working at a church and, and wanted to do a small group, but I lived, I didn't live close to the church. I lived about 15, 20 minutes from the church, but we had church people uh, from the church that were out there. But in my neighborhood, my neighborhood is, is actually very close and we, we do a lot of things together. In my neighborhood, I have a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ that just attend different churches. And, yeah. and, the, and so what I decided to do, I was like, we're not doing a, uh, the church I was a part of, let's call it, uh, Johnson Church, whatever. Uh, we're not we're not doing Johnson City Church small group in my neighborhood. I want to do an, a neighborhood group of the Christians that live in this neighborhood. I love that because we are the ones who have been assigned to this neighborhood. No matter what what uh, t shirt we wear on Sundays or doing volunteering yeah. in the community, right? Like we are all the light in this community. So we need to we need to co- uh, consolidate our light for the purpose of this community. So that's where I think some of that. And, and again, I'm, I'm I'm kind of a missional dude. Not not kind of. I'm totally missional. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I'm constantly thinking about even how Christians work geographically. As opposed to you driving, you know, again, like I said, I drove past multiple churches, even yeah. to get to the church I worked. Um, and and so I think, you know, geographically, though, there's ways you can work together as as believers for the, 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 the what should be the same purpose, you know. Well, and that's really the focus, right? Like, what is our what is our purpose? What is our focus? It takes us decentering ourselves, I think, and yeah. going, OK, it's not about the the church community. It's about, you know, Jesus's church as a whole. I always tell new people when they're coming to check mosaic out, if I invite somebody or I meet somebody new and I throw people off, I think, but I'm like, Hey, do you have questions? How can we help you get connected? If we're not for you, let me know what you're looking for. I'll actually give you suggestions of other churches in the city. And people always like, look at me funny. I'm like, no, no, like really, like it's yeah, not yeah, about, yeah, yeah. I would love for you to be at Mosaic. <laughs> sure. But I also know we're a, we're a bit weird. Like we're not what a lot of people are looking for on Sunday right. morning. And so sure. if I can help you find what is, I would just rather you're plugged in somewhere. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And what's, what's goes even further is, you know, as you, as you start to build unifying and relationships, you know, across churches, um, then it gets even, it gets even more strange because people will come to your church and they're like, yeah, we're visiting your church. I was like, oh, okay. Are, are, do you have you come from another church? Yeah, I come from that church down the street, and that pastor, uh-huh. blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. John. Yeah, right. John and I uh, have lunch every. John, every my boy. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah, he's my he's my, he's my <laughs> homie right there. So you can't come in here and just be bad mouth in a church because uh-huh. we're connected to that church. That's our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And so yeah. it creates yeah. a, a space. Or yeah. go in the opposite way. It's like, hey, John, somebody just left our church. They're coming to your church. I need to get. <laughs> <out of them." laughs> Say no. Yes. If they come in, do not network, let them work network. on your, any of your teams. I'm telling you right now, that's that's bad. Do not do that. Yeah. So listen, uh, you and I are not speaking from experience on that. Obviously. Not at all. So we've heard. So we've... Yes, it's absolutely. It's hypothetical. I am assuming that that kind of thing would happen. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marcus, you started Threaded. I assume yeah. this came out of your your mission for unity. Explain to us what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, unity was is, is kind of the space that I worked in, but uh, I continue to work in. But in uh, in 2014, you know, well, I would say because I was a unifier, I, I just I just knew and met a lot of people in the community, right? Whether mm-hmm. that was pastors, ministry leaders, city folk, whatever it was. 
but in 2014, when the Michael Brown murders happened, actually, uh, I was working at a church, and then a, a pastor from a church down the street, a white pastor, called me because we had been uh, acquaintances to some extent for a while, and he said, I need to get a different perspective on this, right? Can you can you sit down with me and help me understand this a little bit better, maybe from the black perspective? And I was like, absolutely, right? And so we we went to this this very famous sort of uh, barbecue place uh, in our area, and um, I, I got the most expensive beef rib I could find, and I let him pay for it. Uh, and so we we hung out and we we talked and we laughed and uh, we learned from one another and uh, and wanted to keep doing it. So. Uh, we started doing that. We started inviting other people to come from different uh, ethnic backgrounds. And we kind of looked at it like this. We we looked at the, the city we were in. We're like, if something like Ferguson happened in our city, would the church be able to stand up in front of the crowd and give them a better version of, of unity as a, or a better version of unity, right? Instead of division. And we were like, yeah. no way. Like none of these cats know each other cross, you know, racially people are completely segmented and segregated. So we just went out on a mission and we started inviting church leaders from different homogenous groups. And, and we just started meeting regularly once a month, get together, hang out, learn from each other. We started going through a book together. Um, yeah. And then about uh, a year and a half into that work, 2016, uh, we had an issue in Dallas where five police officers were shot at the uh, Black Lives Matter rally. And uh, this group that had been forming uh, when we got together the next time, one of the one of the folks stood up, an Asian American pastor, and he said, we need to formalize what we're doing here because this has transformed the way I think about race and culture, and we need other people to experience this. And so the group agreed, uh, and uh, and that's when Threaded uh, was born. Uh, we got our mission and vision and core values and logo and all that stuff put together, and we started as a network. We weren't an official 501c3 at that time, but started as a network. Uh, and, you know, utilizing the, the unity that I was talking about underneath it, uh, we talk about it from a vision standpoint, right? I, 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 uh, my, my mother-in-law is very gracious uh, and generous. She likes to, she likes to go on expensive trips, but she doesn't like to do it alone. Uh, so she takes okay. my wife and I and my in-law uh, siblings, if you will, uh, on trips. Like I'm le- literally in four days, I'm leaving to go to Israel with her. She's like, I'm going to yeah. Israel. Like, okay, I guess we're going. Yes. All right, cool. No. Uh, but years ago, uh, she took us to Italy uh, for this really exotic trip to Italy. And one of the things we did when we first got there, she took us, she got us this, uh, personal tour of the Vatican. And, uh, and I don't know if you've ever been to the Vatican before, but it's just got so many rooms. Like it just takes you forever to go through just tons of rooms with all kinds of different stuff in them. You got, uh, rooms with, with jewelry in them. You got rooms with the, 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 what the Pope wears, you know, from the the past popes, you got rooms with paintings on the walls, rooms with paintings on the ceilings. Uh, and I remember we turned the corner, uh, to this long hallway that was lined with some of the most beautifully intricate pictures that I'd ever seen. And uh, I thought it was just another painting room because we've gone through so many painting rooms, right? Um, (laughs) And so I nonchalantly walk over to sort of examine this would-be painting, and I noticed something I was not expecting. Uh, I noticed these small, colorful threads. And and I realized I wasn't looking at a painting. I was looking at a tapestry, right? Like we were in a tapestry room, another room inside the Vatican, the tapestry room. (laughs) The tapestry room, John. Uh, I don't know why every character in our story so far has been John, just so you know. John, Uh, John. John, he's going to be the the (laughs) character. Exactly. Even the biblical (laughs) reference is John. It's just going to be John today. Johnny, John, we're in Philadelphia, that John. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so anyway, I'm looking at this tapestry and the, the very first thought that came to my mind, Kristen. I, I, I mean, I, I remember like plain as day, I asked myself in my brain, I was like, who created this? You know, like who was the artist that was able to like see the vision in their head and then take these disparate pieces of thread that had no connection to one another 
and then weave them together to actually create the image in their head for all to see. Like who could yeah. do that? Yeah. Um, and I think for Threaded, from a vision standpoint, we desire that when people come in contact with the church, that they have the same reaction, that they see all the diversity, the disparate, colorful threads, if you will, which, you know, we talked about denomination, ethnicity, culture, race, uh, a, a political, Lord Jesus, yeah. political, right? <laughs> but, but that they would see us working together in such unity, uh, in such beautiful unity that they would be inspired to have and to ask that same question that they would ask, who is the God who threaded these people together? Uh, and so for us, that's for us at the end of the day, like we are, we are driving the work uh, of racial reconciliation, unity, and justice toward the furtherment uh, of God's glory on the earth. Uh, yeah. That, 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 that it's not just about doing justice work period, but it's about a, it is about a cross-cultural collaborative community justice work so that when people see us, they'll see these groups of people from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds doing work together that is changing and transforming, transforming the community and society. Uh, and then God, and then at the end of the day, the person who gets the glory is not a single church or a single person or a yes. single ethnic group, but God gets the glory. The headlines show up, the news shows up and they're like, I don't know, who do we give credit to? Uh, God's people in, in, in Johnsonville. See, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm telling you, it's going to be the thing. God's people in Johnsonville ha, are doing something and changing, changing the community. So that's, so that's kind of where Threaded kind of came out of. I love that. I love that whole picture of taking an individual thread and seeing it just for this big, beautiful thing. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really, that's really, that's it, right? Like that's the thing. Look at Christians and don't see individual Christians. Look at heaven on earth. Look at what yeah. Look God's at what we're people here are supposed to be. Yeah. 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 But it's hard, right? Because, I mean, the, the part that, oh, we're, yeah. that we're having a difficulty with is we keep making tapestries that are red um, or blue or mm -hmm. yellow. And we're like, well, look at this amazing picture. It's like, it's just red. There's nothing there. There's nothing. Right? I'm like, you need the different disparate, colorful pieces of thread to even give shape to the image, mm, say that. to yes. even create an image. Um, and, and God has been, God, God is intentional. He intentionally created us uh, differently. If I can use that, that terminology, mm -hmm. um, because he needed us to be different to actually image him fully um, and our weaving to one another is a necessity for the world to be able to know that. And what's funny about tapestries is like the, the threads are actually not woven together, but they are woven to a stitch that runs ver that runs vertically, right? Yeah. And so you've got that picture of for you to, to be able to engage horizontally with your brothers and sisters, you have to be woven to this vertical, if you would call it the spirit of God, that is yeah. it's in in uh, uh, entangling all of us. Uh, and so that spirit should drive us into a, and what that means is we we still get to keep these like intricate, unique aspects of our culture. It's not about assimilation because uh, sometimes unity is like, oh, we got to be all the same, right? It's the big, right, no. the, the soup, right? No, like the, the flavors are important and yeah. we want to taste all of them. We want to see all the colors, but but it's not just about one. It's about all of them working together to create the picture. It's, it's about the puzzle. I'm using all the metaphors today. There you go. <laughs> You're carrying your puzzle piece and you think that God is confined to your puzzle piece, but you don't understand there's a much bigger puzzle that you are a part of. Right. And your job is to find other people with pieces that connect to yours so that we can actually create the full puzzle and show the world what God actually looks like. Uh, yeah. And so the, the part of the problem is we've been showing... Um, 
we've been showing people a single puzzle piece. Uh, and some people are like, great, that looks just like me. I'm in. And other people are like, where am I on this puzzle piece? I don't seem to fit. Uh, and some people have been saying, you're actually not a part of the puzzle. This is the full puzzle. Uh -huh. And the only way you get to be a part is if you serve us or do things for us, right? Like whatever, you can go down all kinds of, of tangents on that. Sure. But, uh, but we just haven't shown it right. And, and we don't continue to do it. It's, it, but it's something we're driving for. Well, yeah, I think we're, we're trying to show people who God is through us, but like through, through our image, as opposed to, you know, it's, it's the idea of like the fear of the other, right. Instead oh, yeah. of going the perspective shift, instead of being afraid of someone that's so different, maybe yeah. that we've never encountered before, we need to instead look at these people and be like, huh, that's a side of God I didn't know existed, but like, exactly. how beautiful is this to now yes. go, God is so big and so complex. Yes. Here's a whole new personality inside of God that I have never met before. Exactly. Like, how great exactly. is that? Exactly. I mean, it's it's why I think so many people are bored in church mm. is because we keep like cycling through the same cultural stories mm. about, yeah. around how people came to know God. And so God seems very like uh, one note and not interesting, right? Like if you grew up in a predominantly, I'm going to say this because I grew up in a predominantly white church. If you're in a predominantly white church. Uh, the narrative is, you know, I grew up in church and then I went to college and I had my crazy days, right? And then <laughs> I got out of college and I had kids and I just felt God driving me back to church. And now I'm in the water getting baptized for my second time, right? Yeah. And that's like the narrative. And so everybody's like, yay, like half clap, you know, they clap because uh -huh. they're supposed to. But it's really boring because that's the mm -hmm. only story. It's not to not to push on anybody who's got that story. Sure. But what I'm telling you is if everybody has that story, then you think that that's the only way God works. But when you start bringing in other people, cultures, socioeconomic groups, you're going to hear like, yeah, I was outside turning tricks on the street uh, and God hit me over the head with blah, blah, blah. And people from the suburbs, like white church who came to know Christ because they got children are like, <laughs> grasp the pearls. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're yeah. also going, oh, my God, like God can actually transform uh, the person who is in their minds, the furthest away from him. This God is powerful. And when you see stories of God, like doing crap, not every story is powerful. Every transformation is powerful. But when you see these transformations that are beyond your, your understanding and thoughts about what God can actually yes. do, then God becomes big enough that you want to come and worship him and bow your knee to him. As yeah. opposed to like grab your Starbucks coffee and and have a slight sway as the music is playing and hope for uh, the pastor to be finished before the the football game starts right uh -huh. like it's just it, there's just a different this is my personal experience there's just a different way you approach God when you've gotten exposed to multiple ways in which different cultures and people interact and the narratives that interact with the gospel it's it's yeah it's life changing. For me. Yeah. I mean, and it changes everything that you think about God. And you can find churches and church environments like that. But I also don't want anybody to have an excuse of like, oh, well, I haven't found a church. You can do that on your own. Also, I would say I also grew up in a white church and I have a boring story. <laughs> I just have always been a church girl. But the, and, and I am lucky to be in a very diverse place. Sure. All kinds of threads. We got lots of Johns, you know. Yeah, what I'm yeah. saying like, if, <laughs> I'm saying. and when we say Johns, we're going back to the uh, the the use of the yes. word before, oh, not yeah. not to the the the, the hooker Johns. That's good not call. what we're talking about. Good, good clear. Want to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> but for me, it's the idea. It's that old rabbinical idea of like turning the gem, right? Where no matter 
even if I'm reading the same Bible story over and over and over yeah. again, I don't have to keep going back to the same meaning. I can go, all right, God, what does this mean now? I can look at it through a, you know, an Eastern perspective. Yeah. I can look at it through a black perspective. I can go to the Midrash. I can go to these other things and go, what's another way that I can look at this same old story that I've heard a hundred times yeah. and have it be totally revealed as something new because there are other ways that God wants to show up, yeah. you know, in this for me. Yeah. And, you, and I love that. You got to be open right to that yes. and you got to explore that. Uh, the place that I'd probably keep pushing on that, on that, uh, on that approach is there, there's a place in which you are, you will find a limit to your own understanding, right? Because mm -hmm. you're, you keep look, you have to still look at it from the outside, right? I have to kind of go, right. I think that's what they're doing. Um, when you hear it from those on the inside, uh, who it's that that's that's looking at that scripture through their own sort of ethnic hermeneutic, if you will. Um, it 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 actually reveals things that you didn't even know you could you could even understand, right? So so right. even like if you take the story of of Moses and Exodus and all that stuff, right? Like people, there are so many different ways in which cultures look at that whole sort of Exodus Moses story, right? Like in predominantly white churches, I hear a lot about the power of God and the plagues and and things of that nature, and it's this it's this superpower of God going through it, right? You go to a black mm -hmm. church. They're talking about uh, they're talking about civil disobedience through Shifra and Pua, right? And, and talking right. about the systemic nature of power that 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 Pharaoh was able to create this sort of edict uh, of oppression, and nobody fought against it, right? And the systems of power, right? But then you kind of uh, I, I'm trying to remember, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about once they left and were 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 uh, in the Red Sea, uh, or excuse me, in the wilderness, then they were these people kind of without a home if you will. Yeah. And I think I was talking to a monk uh, of a uh, brother in Christ and talking about that, that that part of the story uh, speaks to him because of the wandering and the sense of, I, I'm a person kind of without a land. Right. And I was like, yeah. I have never thought about that before. Like how you would engage with that story that I've been engaging with for years and all these other different ways. And it just opened up a whole new perspective for me. Right. Like, and I think yeah. that's, and, and I, you know, you probably had people on here who do a lot of cultural intelligence training and things of that nature as well. And one of the things that I do in the midst of uh, cultural intelligence training with churches is I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, let's think of the prodigal son, right? Remember that story, right? And I'll say, okay, so what, what, what happened? Why did the prodigal son end up in that pig pen? And most people are like, well, because he squandered his money, right? He didn't take care of his business, right? And then I'll go, okay, let me show you something. And I'll show them like, when you ask that question, internationally, you'll see that people have different answers, right? If you go into sort of uh, uh, Northern Asia into Russia, right? They'll say there was a famine in the land. If you go into Sub-Saharan Africa, they'll say nobody will give, nobody gave him food. And, and then they're like, what? What's the, what are they talking about? I was like, let's go to the scriptures. And in the scriptures, all three of those things squandered the money, a famine was in the land and nobody gave him food was there. But because of where you're located culturally, yeah. You read something different and you took something different from the text. And what, again, what happens with some folks is they take the thing from the text and they go, well, this is what it is uh -huh. without, yes. again, so you need people outside to, to school you on ways yeah. to look at the Bible through their yeah. lens. And, you know, the Jahari window talks, uh, talks about these quadrants uh, of understanding and, and, and quadrants of, uh, of how to deal with things. And you've got hidden areas that uh, you hide from people. You've got known areas that you let people know about, but you've also got these blind spots that other people know, but you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can't find those blind spots without other people in your life. 
right? This is why community is so important. I, I know everybody's is, is down on this. I can do church on my own. I don't need anybody. But part of what community does is it actually exposes blind spots that may be keeping you from truly experiencing the fullness of God and really even experiencing the fullness of, of, of relationship with other people. And so when you're when you have somebody on the on the outside of you culturally that can speak into where maybe your culture may have blind spots or your values, cultural values may have blind spots. It just opens you up to experience more of the world. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down of, of of our self exploration of that. But I think there's also a point where you're gonna have to get to some people who are not like you for them to be able to expose you to uh, the fullness of what you're looking at. Yeah. So I I am lucky. You know, I we can use Christianese here and say I'm blessed because blessed. I am part of a very very diverse, not just multi ethnic, but diverse church in so yeah, many ways. But sure. I also know that we have listeners who are not, and they are in really homogenous areas. And so, how would you encourage them to do this work? You know, how how can they do this if they feel like they live in an echo chamber and everybody around them is just the same? Yeah, well, that's part of where you were talking about. There's some self-exploration that's needed for sure. Um, you know, we talk about in Threaded, we are, are kind of our, our four-point strategy, if you will, uh, is about helping people become ripe for racial action. So that's R-I-P-E. And uh, it's really about um, merging uh, two approaches to racial reconciliation and justice uh, that are centered, if you will, on the poles of the conversation that the cultural poles or the racial poles of white and black. Um, okay. You know, if, if anybody's read Divided by Faith, then they're familiar with with the, the work that's done sociologically. They're talking about mostly white evangelicals think that the answer to the race problem is by building relationships. And black evangelicals at the other end of the poll say the answer to racial reconciliation is dealing with the systemic issues that are affecting their community, right? Yeah. So for, for us as Threaded, we try to mold those things together in a strategy that, in, that includes them in our ripe strategy. So in the very first, and this is where some of your listeners, if they're in homogenous spaces, right there, we call it a reorientation, right? So there's a reorienting around this idea of faith and understanding, uh, or faith, excuse me, uh, race and understanding, particularly uh, through the faith. Uh, and it's a reorientation that involves a personal reorientation, a historical one, a sociological one, and definitely a spiritual and scriptural one. We're already talking about a little bit of that already, right? Yeah. Um, and that's going to be the, 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 the most, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the place where the most stuff is done as far as the strategy is concerned. Because you can do, you can read different people who have a different perspective, much like we were talking about. If sure. you're only quoting, uh, I'll just I'll just use, because most of the places that are usually going to be homogenous in such a way that are controlled homogenous, or in the sense of like, that they can maintain it anytime they want, it's going to be predominantly white spaces. Yeah. Right? So in that space, uh, as you're exploring, you can, you can, if you're only quoting white uh, theologians, or if you're only reading white books, or if you're only watching movies where the lead is a white person, then you've got to break out of that, right? So right. intentionally make choices where you are exploring uh, the, the theology and the, the leadership, uh, maybe even the discipleship uh, of people of color. Right, look intentionally to that. Right, even on our website, threaded, uh, wearethreaded.org, uh, we've got a resource page. Uh, it's wearethreaded.org/resources, and and there's lots of different books of people of color and stuff that helps with this conversation, that really break down a lot of the stuff. Right, reading history books uh, told from the perspective of people of color. That is, look, if you want to talk about game changers, that's a game changer, right? Yeah. Because again, looking through the lens, uh, you know, America just looks different to people of color. I just need. Yeah. 
people said no. It's like it's like oh, so like I said, I'm going to Israel here pretty soon. I am very uh, interested to see what my tour is going to be because you've got this perspective that is the the sort of Christian Jews, but then there's the Palestinian Christians as well, uh, and they have different stories about the way Israel is yeah. dealing with things, right? Um, and so for me, like, I don't want to just go there and go, oh, I'm going to just get kind of the really Americanized Christian version of what Israel is doing. I also want to hear from the marginalized group, which is the Palestinians and particularly the Palestinian Christians, the, my brothers in Christ, and say, hey, what are you seeing, right? Uh, so it, people have just a different view. I like to call it, uh, and I, I, I didn't create this. I got this somewhere, I'm sure, because I don't, I don't know if anything I say is original. I'm sure I've stolen it from somebody. I just... I've used it so much that I could just own it at now at this point. I did. I, I'm sure I gave credit at some point. Uh, but it's this idea of being able to see see the Bible, if you will, from below, as opposed to see it from above. Most of our Western Christian theology is looking at the Bible from above, an empire, a conquering uh, mentality. And so when they read it, they read it from the place of the power. And yet, most of the Bible is being told by people who are in the margins. And even Jesus's story is told in the margins where he 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 uh, uh, incarnated into. So all that's I, I've gone a long way to say you've got to start reading differently. You've got to start watching differently. You've got to start uh, really trying to learn history that's not being told from your perspective, right? Um, you've got to start even start to understand sociologically how people respond to different things. There's lots of books I, I love. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Uh, it's why are all the the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? I can't remember mm -hmm. the author's name for whatever reason right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it just gives a sociological understanding of, of, of where this sort of race conversation plays and how that works and whatnot. Um, and then again, reading theologians that have scriptural understanding. I, I'm, I'm finishing up a... Uh, a commentary on Acts by uh, Dr. Willie Jennings, African-American man. He was at uh, Duke and now he's at, I think, Harvard, but he went to Fuller. Great cat. Um, and the way he he articulates the work of the spirit through the beginning of Acts is from his, from, from a below perspective, if you will, it, it, it will transform the way that you see the book of Acts. So that, that's just, again, that's just one of the ways, if you're in a homogenous space, and if I could say one thing, it's that these spaces will not remain homogenous very long. Um, again, people know the stat that's out there, right? Like it's the between 2040 and 2050, the country becomes minority majority, right? And that term minority is not just a quantitative sort of idea of numbers. It actually represents a people group that is non-white. We use minorities, we mean it as non-white. So America will be a non-white nation 2040 to 50, to, to between 2040 and 2050. Most experts are saying it's happening faster than that. In Texas, where I live, it's faster than that. And under the age of 18, it's already happened, right? So yeah. it, wherever you think you are, uh, if you think you're in a homogenous space, I would, I would, I would push on that and say, maybe you need to investigate a little more. Um, because I, I, unless you're living in I don't even know what the rural space would be to, to yeah. be, I don't know, maybe Montana someplace, uh, <laughs> Idaho, right? You know, right. Like people, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But actually there's actually, yeah. I think there's a contingency of like the, the Asian population that's through there. But anyway, um, I would just look around. Um, so visit museums, uh, just in reorient yourself in those. It takes some intentionality. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Things aren't going to fall into your lap. No. No, yeah. everything has been built so that you don't have to. Correct. Yes. 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 Well, and I think even for me, 
Cause I live on Instagram. That's where it started. Honestly, I like, I'm like, I'm going to follow this person That's good. and I yeah. like their perspective. And now who are they following and who are they talking to? Yes. And then I'm going to read this book and who does this book reference? And then I'm going to read that one. And it has just opened me up to, yes. and listen, here's the thing too. It's not even about changing a belief or changing your mind on things. It's just, mm-hmm. you have to be open to a perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes that's a fear of like, well, I don't want to read this because what if I don't agree with it? Well, you're not <laughs> going to just like by osmosis. Now, all of a sudden have a completely different doctrine and theology. You're just going to be able to appreciate and love people better because you understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Well, and still, why are you so afraid? Yeah. What, what if it does? I <laughs> mean, what if it does change how you think? And what if that's actually what God is trying to do is to Mm. expand your understanding so that you actually see him better. Let me, let me just put it like this, Kristen, like we, I, I was, I was with a pastor the other day and he was talking about the idea that the hand of God is being lifted off of America. And I was like, can I say that a little differently? I, yeah. I'd not. And this is maybe controversial. I get it. I'm not sure the hand of God was ever on America. I, I mean, like, I mean, just look at what we have accomplished in terms of how we've dealt with other people. Uh, over the course of our history, I know people are like, oh, I'm feeling shame right now. Look, I'm just talking facts. Okay, yeah. let's just yeah. walk it through. Yeah. This is a time for us to do this. If you look at all the stuff that we have done to people, uh, my group included, I don't see God up in heaven going, yeah, sign off on that. Mm, I, keep it going, y'all. One more time, one more again. No, like God is not looking down and going, man, that is awesome. I'm so glad that you are putting my name on this, right? Mm, like uh-huh. to me, yes. that's like the, that's the actual representation of the, the, the 10 commandment that says, do not take God's name in vain. I, I think we have, we have justified oppression and things and, and had God divinely co-sign on stuff that was not his stuff. Yes. And, and so what I would say is, and all of that was done while the gospel was being preached right? Where, where America was considered by Western, particularly people as Christian headquarters of the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, so deeply connected to God that we should actually uh, go to other places and, and, and recreate it in other spots, recreate a, a, a Christian, uh, recreate a church uh, approach that allowed for some of the, the worst human genocide and oppression, uh, that we've ever seen. Yeah. Again, the gospel is being preached. And I say this, the Jesus, Jesus didn't become white overnight, right? Like he oh, got oxidized yeah. from Jerusalem to Jamestown, right? From Bethlehem to Boston, he got oxidized very slowly. And the reason why he was able to become white was dependent on hundreds, if not thousands of years of these false theological support by white Western Christian thinking. So the theology that we are literally standing on, most of us, uh, was used to support support the things that we've seen our country do. Now I'm a I'm a, I love America. I'm a I'm a patriot. I've got people, I'm a, I've got family in the military, but I'm also a Christian who's like, don't put God's name on that, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And so so what I'm saying is so when you explore what you might be doing is not not saving information and saving doctrine, you might actually be coming, you might actually start to come connected to true doctrine, right? You might actually see true theology. 
not just the the theology in your your seminary that's called theology, and then there's black theology and Asian theology and womanist theology, and ultimately theology is a whiteness theology, right? And it's the and it's the core yeah. curriculum, and black theology is the elective. But but you might you might actually be getting reunited to who God actually is, a God that is desperately on a mission to achieve the vision of Revelation 7-9 of all tribes, sons, and nations worshiping together in the throne room of God. God, as Mark DeMoss has said, the the arc of the church ends in multi-ethnic, right? Like God is on this mission. He's been working on it since the very beginning, since Adam and Eve. And you think the more you engage with people and learn about them takes you away, might, might take you away from your faith in God? That's, that's to me, if that's, if you're thinking that right now, that should be the scariest thought you have. Yeah. You should be leaning into relationships. I'm not saying that you got to be, you got to take on Muslim and Islam or, or, and Hindu and all. I'm just saying engaging with people cross-culturally, whether they be Muslims or Hindus, you may learn some things about what yeah. God has been even working on in their journey that will draw you into a closer, more full understanding of God, which is what I think we all want, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we all say we want. I want to know God. Well, knowing God is knowing his people who are creating in his image. And if all the image you're looking at are people who look like you, you ain't getting to know God fully. That's narrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think for people that are listening to, and they're like, huh, that sounds like a lot, but also I can admit that my theology isn't quite sitting right with me. If they're having a hard time reconciling the gospel with what they're seeing Christians do, sure, maybe that's the answer. Maybe the answer is leaning in and letting your theology adjust and, you know, evolve a little bit. I can just, I, I'm picturing God in heaven, like that Kim Kardashian meme where she like backs slowly into the bush, yeah, you know, the bush. <laughs> I feel like that's God half the time is he, when people are like in the name of Jesus, he just like slowly backs up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The hard part is I think he's not backing up. I think we're pushing him into the bush. Oh, for like, sure. yeah, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. For sure. Uh, we're like, we know better than you, God. Come on. We got this. Uh, yeah. So it's a, brutal. I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a wild, it's a wild time. I think, um, I think God is doing some really good things. <laughs> like I'm the one who gets to judge what God is doing. <laughs> You're doing great, God. Keep it up, G. Uh, and yeah. so, no, it's like, but uh, this, again, when most people hear this this stat of 24 to 2050, minority, majority, non-white, you know, um, a lot of people are really excited about it, but some people are fearful about it. Yeah, they are. Um, and and I and again, when I think about this 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 church in heaven of all tribes, sons, and nations, and, and I take that, that sort of Lord's Prayer aspect on, you know, Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going, I would like some of that heaven here. Um, and so the more that I have opportunity uh, to engage with people who are different than me, the more I'm going to get an opportunity to experience heaven. So the more diverse our spaces become, the more opportunity we actually have to get a taste and a sliver of a taste of what we are being prepared for uh, in, in our heavenly experience. So it's not something necessarily to be feared. It's, not, it's something to, to be uh, rejoiced about, potentially. Yeah. Uh, because it offers more opportunity. Those listeners who you're saying, I live in a homogenous space and I just want to know more. Well, more people coming in who look different than you are going to open up the opportunity for you to get it because yeah. it is correct. If you're in a homogenous space, you are missing something. Let me just say that. You are missing something. Uh, I'm not saying you're not saved. Don't hear that. I'm just saying you're missing something. Your sanctification process, your uh, your uh, this idea of being separated to God, right? Uh, is not getting the same exercise as others, right? You're just not. So you got to keep finding ways to 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 strengthen your engagement and, and grow uh, closer to God. And 
engaging cross-culturally is one of those ways to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like we were saying earlier, you're missing the fullness of God. You're missing yes. the fullness of the Imago Dei and all of the different kinds of people Absolutely. that he created. Yes. That image. That, that image of image. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm not, I could sit here and talk to you all day and we'll probably chat even when we're done with the recording. But <laughs> since the podcast is called Becoming Church. Yeah. What can people do that are listening? How can they either use the tools from, th- from Threaded or engage in unity conversations? What can they do to represent Jesus to the people that are around them today? Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the things, if, if I can think through or, or talk about it in terms of what I see people who want to get into this work do at the very beginning that I think hinders the process. Um, you know, I talked about cultural intelligence earlier. And one of the things uh, that we talk about in cultural intelligence is our, our cultural values. And we, we talk about there's these 10 cultural clusters, and they all have these kind of values that are associated with them. And one of the things we find, if I can call it an Anglo culture, is a value of individualism, right? And the thing about these values is they're not bad. They're, they're neutral. They're just, a, they're just what they are. Uh, and the opposite of individualism is collectivism, right? Um, individualism, people prefer to do things on their own. Collectivism, or and they see them, and they don't see themselves as part of a group. Uh, collectivism does the opposite. They like doing things with uh, with others. Uh, the culture itself is a, is an others connected culture, but they also see themselves as part of a culture as opposed to just some guy named John. There we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so what I'd like to say to to those who are out there is first, you have to start getting your mind uh, transformed from saying, what can I do to what can we do? Because if you start to look at I, I is a very like, again, individualistic thought process. And the I, um, it it limits your work into, yeah. into thinking about how I can learn or how I can build personal relationships with people, right? Going back to that sociological conversation yeah. from Divided by Faith. Uh, and what happens is if you keep the eye and you start to build relationships or you learn the things that you learn, you will stop in the process and you'll be satisfied. Huh, that's great. But what we're talking about here is not just a relationship building. We're talking about justice. And what I mean by justice is a biblical aspect of justice, righteousness and justice working together, Sedekai and Mishpat, right? And righteousness is the way, it's the, the right way in which community is supposed to function and when things, when people do things they're not supposed to do, it creates inequity. And then to get things back to righteousness, you have to practice justice. Sometimes that justice is restorative, so you can get it back to righteousness. Sometimes that justice is, is punitive, right? Uh, uh, in the sense of you have to punish people for doing the injustice so that they won't do it again and others won't follow in their footsteps, right? right? So we're moving toward an idea of making things right, which is the simple way of saying justice. Being in relationships with one another is not going to do that. Uh, it will be a piece of it, right? And so when you, but you can't do that until you start changing your mentality to think of your work as we. And when we comes into your body, then you have to start looking out, but who are my we? Yeah. Uh, it can't be just me. And so then you're forced to do everything we've been talking about this podcast, to try to engage with other folks, right, in the work together collaboratively. And it takes away this sort of superhero, uh, triumphalist kind of uh, cosplay. White uh, savior coming in. White yeah. savior, or just savior mentality of like, yeah. we. 
this 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 uh you know every all the movies right it's the the John Wayne it, it's Bruce Willis and Die Hard it's like everybody wants to do but this problem is handled with we so yeah. you've got to start building you've got to start building um collaboratives so that you can actually move things and change things one person is not going to come in and just fix all the issues that redlining caused. It's not going to happen. Right. right. It's going to take a, a a conglomerate, a collaborative conglomerate of power and, of, and people to do that. So if you're doing the work and you're like, I just want to do this for my one thing, it's like, nah, you got to keep building and, and work, if anything, work to build that group. And so one of the things that, and so how we do that with Threaded is we, uh, we tend to, we were for a while, Kristen, we were like, hey, let's hit these individuals that are really passionate out there. And let's try to give them the tools and things that they need to kind of go after it. And what we would find is, yeah, they would they would come in and they would learn lots of things. And then they would be a part of our small groups. We have some on, on uh, we, we hold online small groups regularly cool. throughout the year in two seasons, fall and spring. Uh, you can check that out. We are threaded.org slash groups. And you can kind of put your name down and we'll try to connect you. We've got facilitators that we've trained. And if you want to be a facilitator, we do a facilitator training twice a year as well. We want to help that individual to, to be able to create these groups of people who will learn what reconciliation looks like from a biblical perspective. But in these groups, they're actually doing diverse groups where they're hearing the stories of people who are different than them uh, and being guided by some, some material that is there that goes along with our curriculum, but then also being challenged to get outside of their learning and go experience a few things together, right? So individuals can get in, they can take classes, they can start to build relationships, but to move fully with threaded long-term, when you get done with your group, if you're doing it by yourself, you're going to be like, what's next? And we're going to be like, nothing, because you're just you. And what yeah. the next thing is, is big systemic change, upstream changes, and that doesn't get done with an individual. So if that's you, what you need to do is you need to keep cycling small groups and classes until you start to build a large amount of people with power that can actually look at something in the community collaboratively with other people in the community working, not just a church or a group saying, we're going to do all the work, but collaboratively with people who are already doing the work. And you can start to make changes or at least participate in the changes that are already starting to be done. So like I was saying, there's a couple of ways that you as an individual can get engaged with Threaded. And the... Again, you can learn a lot. There's resources, classes, and things that we do online across the nation that people can engage in. Um, but and there's there's also our, our podcast, which is a great sort of passive way to kind of learn, much like what we're you know kind of doing here, uh, yeah. where we bring on experts and individuals who are in the work that are able to share things. Uh, we call it getting colorful people to get in there and talk about culture, uh, Christianity, and race, right? And uh, and there's ways in which we're talking about how. Uh, other people might respond to some of the social eruptions that are happening, right? When we see the the January sixth, and when we see the George Floyd's, uh, we bring in others. Like, how do we how do we think about this differently? So those are some ways that you can do that. And again, our small groups we we have those online. People can do that if they want to, and we've got our facilitators ready every season to do that. Um, but honestly, as an org, we're actually getting more contextual. Um, whereas we were, you know, COVID had to make us spread out a bit and engage yeah. people around. Now we're creating outposts, places, right? Dallas is a spot. So we we have all of those things I just mentioned, but there are ways in which people are going to do that together. So if you're going to do a small group in Dallas, you're doing it probably in person with people from different cultural backgrounds so that as more people go through that small group, we are a lar- building a larger network of people that can actually move together and make changes. Uh, Cleveland is another spot where we're building an outpost. Baltimore is a space. We're looking for more outposts. 
Um, but so, yeah, if you're an individual, those are some places. And here's the best place that you can play. If you really, really like this ministry and you like and you think it's important, support it. Support a Black-led ministry uh, yeah, who's go. trying to do this. Like, uh, stop talking about it. Uh, everybody talked about how much money they wanted to give in 2020, and like a, a quarter of it has gone out from the billions of dollars oh, wow. people are doing. And meanwhile, we're over here, and I tell you, we always say we're over here with what is it, two fish and five loaves, making all kinds of feeding five thousand. We don't mind feeding five thousand with two fish and five loaves, but we'd rather have five thousand fish and five right. loaves, two fish, <laughs> twenty thousand fish and five right. loaves. So that requires people who understand sophisticated understanding of the need for an outside organization to be drawing churches and the people of God into this, uh, going out ahead of you, learning and bringing back what we know, it requires that. But we need those donors who say, we're with you, bro. Like we just want to see you succeed because we believe that when people see the unity of the church uh, cross-culturally, that they will be ready and inspired to ask that question, who is this God that threaded these people together? And we need those supporters. So if you're out in those homogenous spaces, you want to keep going. If you're an individual, how do I help this? Uh, Wearethreaded.org slash give uh, and become a donor. Uh, One-time gift is fantastic. uh, But we also like those donors who come alongside and be a part. And we always say on our show, we, 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 like the money that jingles, but we prefer the kind that folds. You know what I mean? Like you just like, like, come on with it. You know what I mean? We we're moving forward. And I say, Kristen, like, this this is a ministry. I I gave up everything for this for this ministry two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I was working in a church. I've been working in churches for 15, 16 years, had the great job, had the great salary, had the had health insurance. That must be nice. Uh, all those things. <laughs> and God just punched me in the throat and said, You this ministry is not going to grow until you take it seriously. And two years yeah. ago I left. And and I love watching what God is doing and growing it. Uh and I just want other people to be a part of that growth. So so yeah, that's how individuals can uh, can get engaged. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're going to link yeah. up all of the things that you mentioned in the show notes. So guys, just scroll down. Everything is there. Follow Marcus for celebrity sightings, as well as, you know, <laughs> racial reconciliation <laughs> conversations. I think they're just going to watch me in the gym most of the time. Yeah. Like, what is he doing in there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been great having you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, my mama. Good to see you. Wow. Okay. I'm going to need to listen back to that conversation again, because Marcus said so many true yet challenging things. I think that visual of God looking down on churches separated by dark streets is really not how it's meant to be, which is why at Mosaic and through this podcast, we want to champion people and churches and organizations from all over who are doing the work of ministry to bring that light of Jesus out of the churches and into the world. If you know of anyone you'd like to hear more from on this podcast, anyone that you see doing this in their lives, email us your suggestions at info at mosaicchurch.tv because we would love to highlight them here. Until then, keep doing your part to bring unity by becoming church to the people around you.